you completed the race. How many would probably complete, how much is it? Three what? Three point. How many could do three and a half miles right now? I'm really serious. I mean, I mean, that means otherwise no one here. That means like zero. No one could do it. Anyone else could do three and a half miles? Wow. I got a couple of kids back there that said I can do it. Hallelujah. I want to share with you a message today about the glory of God. Some of the songs today spoke about the glory of God. The glory of God is one of the most magnificent, awesome things that we can read about in the scripture because when he is present, the glory of his presence surrounds you. And we have so many examples in the word of God where the glory, his glory showed up. His glory was present. Don't you love it when you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? I mean, have you ever, I know you have. This is a question that I already know the answer to. There are many here, you have been at various times in your life bathing in the shadow of the Holy Spirit. You have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit so strong that it overwhelmed you, right? It overwhelmed you. You can feel that presence. You can almost see it. Now, can now you imagine, in the Old Testament especially, where God would show up? When he showed up, it wasn't in the inward spirit of a man. It was an outward presence. And when he showed up, a lot of people said, please God, don't show up again. They were fearful of his presence because it was so incredible and so awesome, so overwhelming. So this morning, I want to share about, well, here's the title, Moving Without the Glory. Let me ask you, who gives you your marching orders for life? You have a life. You have things you're going to do in this life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we know this really well, don't we? For I know the plans I have for you, declares who? The Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They're plans to give you hope and a... See, you know the word, don't you? How many have taken that verse and you have personally adopted that verse into your life? Now, we can understand very easily hope. How many understands prosper? Anybody buy a lottery ticket lately? Okay, then I'll have to give it all a call for that. See, you want to prosper. Everybody wants to prosper. Everyone wants to do well. Everyone wants the blessings, right? You love that part in Malachi chapter 3 when it talks about him opening up the floodgates of heaven. Just think about that for a second. God opening up the floodgates of heaven, and out of that floodgate comes the blessing of the Lord. We want that blessing of the Lord. We don't want necessarily tithe to get it, but we want the blessing of the Lord. We want God's blessings and His anointing, right? We want to prosper. So we understand prosper. We understand what hope means. Hope is something you want to attain. 
It's something that you're looking forward to. It's something you think, I need this in my life, and I am trusting it's going to come my way. I, I'm going to receive this. That, that's trusting. So hope, we know what future is. That is not the present. It's the time to come. But sometimes the word we have the most difficulty with is planned. For I know the plans I have for you. Some of you, uh, you got a new school year. I know a couple of you are either a senior or you're a junior or whatever. And you're looking now to life without being in high school. What's next? Maybe a few of you taking some classes. I think Tim's taking classes. Uh, I think he's in the nursery right now. I think he's been taking classes for a long, long, long time. Right, Tim? Right, Tim? He might be listening through the the monitor. There's always a wondering, God, what is your plan for my life? I know that because there are many times when someone will come up to me and say, man, I got a question for you. I'm really wondering what God has for me, what his plan is for my life. And I can't tell you what his plan is, but I can help you pray to receive that plan and really, you know what I do? I pray more about removing the distractions to keep you from hearing. In fact, I wouldn't have to be the only one that would do that. That should be your first prayer. Before you pray, God, what is your plan for my life? How about just doing this? Lord, remove the distractions from me hearing what you have for my life. How many has had your life messed up, if I could use that term, because of the distractions. You lost out on so many things that you could have do, that you could have done that God wanted to do in your life, but you lost out because you were so distracted with everything else. Or you were distracted by someone else. That's easy. Now you can blame the other person. <laughs> Something else, someone else, it's this person's fault, it's that thing's fault that I'm not really hearing clearly. God would speak to you very clearly, but you have to get the distractions out of the way so that you can figure out the most hard to, most difficult word to interpret in that verse of 2911, which is plans. For I know the plans. And you're going, great! What are they? The Lord says, well, I know what they are. And I will share them with you in my time. Now that time might be next week. It may be five weeks from now, five months from now. Some of you are, already have experienced five years, 50 years. You're still trying to figure it out. But God does have a plan for your life. And part of that plan is for you to experience his glory and to be led by his glory. Because when you're enveloped by his glory, you have leadership. You have to change out your leadership from coming from you to the leadership of Jesus Christ. That's somewhat of a hard thing to do. I'm giving up my rights. We sang in that song. I'm giving up my rights. And I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, Lord. You know what that is? That's giving up everything to say, God, I want to follow you. Now, I want you to listen to the scripture or read it with me if you want to read it. It's going to be up here as well. So Exodus chapter 40, verse 34 through 38, it says this. 
in the NIV. Then the cloud, the cloud. I'm not talking about, you know, the cloud's really, who would have thought, you could look in the dictionary now and read about the word cloud, but it has nothing to do with the clouds in heaven. It has all to do with the cloud of information. All the information that we send up into what is called a cloud, which is simply an incredible large bank of computers. And all that information. Aren't you, don't you just feel so comfortable to know that all your information is in the cloud? Yeah. So then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Folks, this is a tabernacle. It's a church. When we come in, it instantly becomes the dwelling of the Lord. When we're not here, it is not the dwelling of the Lord. It is a building. Too many people treat the building like it is the building of, well, it's the building of the Lord, but only when we come. How many understand what I'm saying? It is a holy place, but only because it is dedicated unto a holy purpose. It is sanctified for a holy purpose. So in other words, sanctified, I could use this illustration. See all those bricks? Many, many, many courses of brick. There's bricks throughout this building. Thousands of bricks. There's also blocks, cement blocks, lots of cement blocks. There are two by fours, two by sixes, eights, tens, twelves upstairs or upstairs that way. We've got roofing materials, carpeting. All these things are bought from building supply stores. Have you ever walked into a religious, holy building supply store? You go there, you get the cart, you push it down, you load up about five or six, two by twelve, you put them in there, and then you go and you check yourself out and, and uh, you, you pay for it. You did not have a holy experience. Come on, somebody. It was not a religiously liberating moment that you can look back upon and say, I will never forget that day. I went to Lowe's. Oh, <laughs> hallelujah. No, you just bought materials. Well, when this church was built, they went and they bought materials. And they went to just plain building places, supply places, to buy the materials. But when it was all made, when it was all put together, and it ended up being what you see now, then it required the people of God to say, we are now sanctifying this place for a holy purpose. Set apart for a holy purpose. So in that regard, it becomes a holy place. But when we're not here, it's not as holy. So you bring the holiness with you. Boy, do you have a responsibility. I mean, when you walk in here, Brother Jim, am I correct in saying this? We walk in here, we have a responsibility to bring some holiness in here. Hallelujah. We had two thefts in less than 30 days. We had people break into our church only a couple months ago. I'm about ready to go to a to a hearing, to a trial, I should say. And uh, I believe Steve is too. Steve, wherever you... And so uh, 
because the thief has been caught and what have you, and so there's going to be a trial. But you see, they don't look at this as a holy place. They just look at it as a building with things that are in it that they could use, that they could sell, whatever, that they could steal. So there's a lot of different ways of pe- that people look upon a place. Now, in the Old Testament, God told his people to build a tent of meeting. He then moved that later on to a tabernacle. The tabernacle was built by specifications that God gave. He, as an architect, laid out the plans, and it had to be movable because they were moving all the time in the wilderness for 40 years. So the church was movable, and they're carrying all of the pieces. Now, God referred to those pieces as being holy because they were going to be used for his purpose. And he would come and bring his presence and when his presence was there and filled the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, it was demonstrative. In fact, you want, you want to know how you stay holy or how you really have a great relationship with God? When you have fear of God. You love God, but you also have fear of God, right, Ted? The two go together. How can you love someone and fear someone? Well, actually, it works really good. That's what dads are supposed to be to their kids. Moms too, but moms often get frustrated because why do they always fear you more than they do me? And I'm the meaner one. Yeah, I I got way off topic on that one. So listen to this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. And glory. Someone say glory. Glory. Man, I was going to ask you to say it twice. I'm not going to now. That was really good. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses, Moses, servant of the Lord, directed of God, appointed by God. Moses went face to face, toe to toe with Pharaoh. Let my people go. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled in and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Let me show you the difference. When we come to church We are the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. When we are walking in, we're bringing the Holy Spirit within us. That's how we bring holiness into wherever we go. But when, in the Old Testament, God would come, and when he showed up, he showed up with a great demonstration of who he is. And it was awesome to behold. In fact, let me continue to read. It says in verse 36, In all the travels of the Israelites, that means they were traveling the wilderness back and forth to and fro 
for 40 years. I think they knew the wilderness like the back of their hands. Don't you? They knew the wilderness. It was a dangerous place as well. And it goes on to say, in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, can you visualize that? How many of you are visual people? When the cloud lifted, the word went out immediately. The shofars sounded. The trumpets sounded. Hey, you got a million and a half people out there. It's time to leave. It's time to go. Get everything up. Get all the tents up. Pack everything up. That's what the husbands always said to the wives while they were just kind of doing this. They expected them to do all the work. Not really. They're packing up. And they're saying it's time for us to leave. We need to go. Question is, where are you going to go? You're in the wilderness. You're in the wilderness. Where do we go this time? But they had a guide. All they had to do was follow the cloud. Think of the three, the three wise magi who came to find Jesus and their whole entourage with him. They followed what? A star. We're always following something, someone. The real star is Jesus Christ. So the cloud lifted, and when the cloud lifted, it was time for them to set out. Man. And it goes on to say, so the cloud, or it says, uh, but if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. I think we're all clear right now on how it worked. Got a million and a half, two million people. What are we going to do for, you know, for our, our location, our geographical assignment? Where are we going to head out to? Well, don't worry about it. When the cloud lifts, you follow the cloud. And when they did so, they did so in an orderly fashion. Got 12 tribes. Every tribe stayed as a, as a single solitary tribe. And they all went out in a pattern. Now it goes on to say, so the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, now this is cool, and fire was in the cloud by night. I was just talking to Jocelyn, she was talking about maybe about going uh, camping, and that got kind of delayed. Okay, how many would you like to be underneath the stars at night? How many would like to be under a cloud with fire in it? Some of you are saying, apocalypse. No, not really. (laughs) And fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. They did not go anywhere unless the cloud, the glory, of the Lord was leading. So who gives you and me and our church our marching orders? How many decisions have you made that you 
absolutely regret making because it came out eventually it was a bad decision based on this, 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 and this. I wish I would not have made that decision. I, I wish I would not have, have been connected with this individual, with that individual. But you made the decision. But I'm going to say, step out here, you did not make the decision because the glory of the Lord gave you direction. You had your own direction. And your direction gave to you what you thought was the right thing to do. And the scripture, it says as many times in the Old Testament about the kings of Israel. It says, and they did which was right in their own sight. That was their downfall. It, was, it caused calamity. It caused death and destruction because the kings did what was right in their own sight. Now, folks, I'm just like you, and you're just like me. We've made a whole bunch of decisions in life. And if we're honest, there are many decisions where God was never, ever thought of. He was not contacted. We did not go to him in prayer. Let's just face it. You may have married this person, shouldn't have, been with this person, shouldn't have, it goes into every aspect of our life. I love it, especially when someone says, uh, you know, they're a senior in high school and they just graduated. And they said, well, I, I put out these, uh, I put out these, these uh, resumes and, and, uh, and also uh, I, I put out an application to this school. And the school contacted me and it said that I'm accepted. Hallelujah. Do you know they'll accept your dog if your dog can pay the, how much is required to go there? And then, oh my gosh, you got 10 of those back. How, was, how did that happen? It's not because it's such a spiritual thing as it is your ability to pay. And sometimes we say, that's what God wants me to do because I got this application back that says or an acceptance letter, that I am accepted. Well, you know what? It's almost impossible for you not to get accepted if you can pay. So to really know what God wants us to do is to be surrounded by the glory of God. And we can't have the glory of God in our lives. For the Israelites, it's almost kind of easy. They were looking for the cloud to lift. But isn't that a good way to follow what God wants to do. I mean that all of these great number of people could see together. Hallelujah. Let me share with you the word glory. Glory in the Hebrew is kind of a strange name. It's kabhod, which is K-A-B-H-O-D. And in the Greek, it's a lot easier, doxa, D-O-X-A. Here's basically what the glory means. I want you to check it out. The glory means abundance, wealth, treasure, honor. It means the dignity of God. In Psalms 19.1, have you heard this one? I'm sure you have. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works 
the works of his hands. Someone say amen. Okay, now I got to tell you a strange one. I told Angie today and she thought I was crazy. Can you imagine that? So I look outside the, the window that's above our, our kitchen sink. And right back there, there's a big tree. And then there's a chicken coop. And the chickens are back there. And the grass is green and so nicely cut by these guys, you know. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's it just, it just a pretty sight. And I'm looking, and it's raining. I mean, it's a pretty rain. And it's just sun just shining, and it's kind of a heavy rain. And I'm looking, and I had to go to another window. I went to another window. The sky's all blue. And it's just beautiful out. There's no clouds. I looked at another window, and I looked back there again. I can't find any clouds. And I thought, Lord God, did you send this for an illustration? Thank you, Lord. I mean, I feel really special. It's true. And when she wouldn't believe me, I said, okay, look at the tree. Look at all those leaves. See how wet they are? Because it was, it was raining. But you see, that is the handiwork of God. It is the handiwork of God to see all around us His creative ability. The heavens declare. Remember when we were talking about Jeremiah 29, 11? And the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Well, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Splendor, brightness, majesty is another thing of what glory means. Splendor, brightness, and majesty. Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So, see, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Then you've got the glorious, really what would be called the moral attributes, the infinite perfections of God. Don't you love that? The infinite perfections of God. And guess what? Jesus is the brightness of his glory. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. Hallelujah. We read in, in Scripture in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. What kind of representation? The exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And then last of all, glory also means the glory of heaven. Someone should be happy here. The glory of heaven. How long have we lived here? 
10, 15, 30, 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years. If I'm going to live forever in heaven. I'm going to live forever in heaven. You know there's no dates in heaven? Can't be. Time just goes on. Has no bearing. Eternity. There's no getting your hands or arms around eternity. It just continues, continues, continues. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. It, it is, it says in Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We have yet to have the glory truly revealed that's in us. You know what? The glory that's in all of you right now, you may not feel like it, but brother, sister, you've got glory inside of you. Sister Marty, you've got glory that's not even been truly revealed yet. Carolyn, you've got glory, the glory of God that has not been revealed yet. Hallelujah. Spencer, you've got the glory of God in you. It's not even been revealed yet. All of us do. It's on its way. It's coming. Hallelujah. It's something to be anticipated. It's something that's in our future. The glory of God's going to come out of us. Isn't that a good thing? Because some things really need to come out of us. And we really want the glory of God to be one of them. Let it be shown. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's really cool? We're in the 40th chapter of Exodus. It is the last book of, F of Exodus. You go to the first book. The first book of Exodus, it talks about the misery, the suffering of the Israelites. They were in the suffering of the brickyards. It was in the brickyards that they were compelled, forced to be slave labor, to go and to build brick, to make brick, to make brick. You remember that Pharaoh, he became so mean that he took some of the straw away from them that was required to make the brick. And they were compelled, forced to make some of the great cities of Egypt and the storehouses of Egypt by their slave labor. And they cried out unto the Lord. That's in verse or chapter 1 of Exodus. Chapter 40, you go from the misery, the suffering of the brickyard to being in the tabernacle of God and surrounded by the glory of God. Someone say amen. Some of you may have some suffering of your own. You may have some misery of your own. You just need to wait for the 40th chapter to take place. You got the 40th chapter coming your way. Just don't give up. Hallelujah. 40th chapter is coming. Come on, somebody. It's coming. Hallelujah. I got into a conversation with, a, with someone this week that made me go back in memory. And now I go back further and further, I find out because I have more years. But I remembered when we were youth pastors at our very first church. It was in a city called Ottumwa, Iowa. A small, smaller town and, and uh, nothing distinct about the town really. 
but there was an open Bible church, first church of the open Bible. And we were invited by an evangelist who had became the pastor there to be the youth pastors and music ministry, and so we end up doing that. But what was distinct about the Atomo First Church of the Open Bible is where it was located. There was a campground that all the Open Bible kids, like around here, the Open Bible kids go to Camp Machindo. And back when I was a, a young teenager, you went to Hickory Grove Camp. Hickory Grove, Grove Campground. That was a really cool campground. Everyone loved to go there. But it was the story behind Hickory Grove Camp that started coming back to me just a, just a few days ago in this conversation I was having. What happened was Clint Baker, he and his wife, they owned what would be called Hickory Grove Campground. It was a nightclub. I'll give you the old-fashioned terminology. It was a dance hall. A dance hall was a place where people would go and dance and drink and drink. Both hands. A lot of drunkenness. Brawling probably at times as well. It was a large, large, large acreage. And Clint Baker owned this land. He owned the dance hall. He purchased all the liquor. He was known in the whole area of Atumwa and the surrounding areas. And then a revival took place at the first church of the Open Bible. The evangelist, the guy who pioneered the church, was the same man who pioneered my home church, Dr. Charles Leeming. A revival took place. Clint Baker got saved. Clint Baker got so saved, he got radical. He went back to his dance hall, and he took an axe to all of the kegs of beer, and then it was real wood, the kegs. And he split open every keg, and he poured out every bottle of liquor. He got so saved, he got obnoxious. He got so saved, he got radically messed up and would end up becoming a pastor, an open Bible licensed minister. And then he got so messed up, I'm going to give away Hickory Grove for the use of kids to go to camp. So he did that, and revival started in the campground as meetings were being held. And then one night, now you're going to have to either believe me or shoosh me, one of the two. One night, visitors came to the campground meeting. Angels. One of them crossed the highway that goes right by there. And by the way, when we went there to be youth pastors, we lived on Hickory Grove camp ground. An angel came by, walked across the highway, 
and this man drove off the road. It was almost an accident, but instead he got out of his vehicle, he went down to the campground and got saved. Other angels appeared at the campground, seen by many people. I personally sat and talked with a man, no relationship, but his name was also Baker, from my home church, Jim Baker. He was as credible to me growing up in all my years as I would think of uh, Steve Cox. Well, tell me somebody credible at First Church, you don't buy one date. Well, Steve Cox, he's as credible as I can think of. Brother Baker told me how he witnessed those angels. You know what that was? That was the glory of God. That's the glory of God. Now, is that a wild story? Yes. I will give you that. I'll agree with you there. I've known that all my life. Well, pretty much all my life. And I remember sitting at a meeting. It was at the campground. It was night. The stars were out. And Brother Baker told me how it was the night those angels just came down from heaven. I can tell you this. While it may sound wild and crazy, we have a whole book full of wild and crazy events called the Bible. And there are a lot of angels in there. There are a lot of creatures in there. There's a lot of happenings in there. There's a guy who gets swallowed up by a huge whale, great fish, whatever you want to call him, and survive for three days. People say, well, that proves it right there that the Bible is not true because that can never happen. But who referenced it in the New Testament? Jesus. Jesus referenced it. So many wild things have happened. But the glory of God came down upon a man who was in a church service, who gave his heart to Jesus. That was a personal glory of the Lord. But then an outward glory came upon this group who had came to be part of a revival meeting at the campground called Hickory Grove. And I had, Nanj had, Carice actually, we had, to me, the blessing of being able to live there. While we were there as youth pastors, you know how many times I thought about that? How many times, I'm going to be honest with you, I was expecting, is this going to happen again? I'd love for that to happen again. Oh, hallelujah. We need the glory of God. We need the glory of God. Not just to show His presence, but to give us leadership, to give us direction. You shouldn't be doing anything in life, really, of any major consequence unless you are giving that up to God first. I'm going to put it out there right now. It is as an admonishment to you. Don't be making those kind of big decisions in life unless you are giving them to the Lord God. If it makes sense here, that's fine, but it better make sense in your soul. It better make sense in your prayer life. It better make sense 
to what God wants to do. If, you're, if you and you're, and you're talking and you're verbalizing, keep using the word I, you're in trouble. Now, if you can reference God in there that I've been praying about this and I feel direction, then you know what you're experiencing? Oh, John, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans. You see, you're receiving a witness. You've been praying about it. In fact, if you read Jeremiah 29, 12, it really follows it up greatly, greatly. And so we've got here the Israelites not being able to go anywhere unless they see the glory of God show up and give them direction. And the direction, and the people didn't go anywhere again unless God showed up. And when he shows up, there's another word that is an awesome word called the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory is when the glory of God is so thick it's so powerful that if the Shekinah glory, you see, the Shekinah glory was not here today. I can prove it. You're all sitting there in your right minds. Most of you. You're all sitting there. You're all standing there. I'm going to say, if the Shekinah glory shows up, Every single one of you, I don't care of your physical condition, of your age, whatever, are going to be flat on the floor. Because the glory of God is so incredible. You won't be able to withstand it. It will envelop you. It will touch you. It will fill you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just, let me just finish this up. You want direction. We want direction. All of us do. We want direction in our church. We're trying to do what we think is best that God would have to do in our church. And we look to him for that direction, for that leadership. But what does he want to do in your life personally? As God does things in your life personally, it requires for you to say, oh God, let me see your glory. Move your glory and I will find it. I will follow it. I will follow after your glory. Henry Blackaby said this. I repeat it often. Made a, quite a difference in my life. One statement. And that is, look to see what God is doing and join him. I'm going to say that again. Real simple, so I want you to say it with me. Would you do that? Look to see what God is doing and join Him. Ready? One more time. Look to see what God is doing and join Him. It does not say, Oh God, Look to see what Gary is doing and join him. We are not asking God to join us, or at least we shouldn't be. We're asking, let us see your glory. Let us see what you're doing so that we can join you. 
How many just had your plans totally annihilated and messed up just now? Because you've been trying to get God to come get on your bandwagon. He doesn't want to get on your bandwagon. He wants you to get on his bandwagon. Come and join God as you see what he's doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like for us to pray, to pray the that every one of us here would begin to be led by the glory, the anointing of the Lord God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that right now you're speaking to the hearts of men and women, young and old. Lord, I thank you that there are so many individuals in this room who want nothing more than to have you in their lives to the capacity where if you move, they're willing to move. If you're here, this particular place, they're here. They're not doing anything, oh God, without your presence. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you've given us wisdom, you've given us directions, You've given us, Lord, the ability to figure things out on our own. But, Lord, we don't want to make any major decisions unless, oh God, we're seeing you in that decision. In the name of Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about I. It's about him. It's about Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Now I'm going to lay this out to you. Maybe you've had some decisions that you've been trying to make. Or you've already been making them. And you, you wish you could probably turn it around. But kinda, maybe it's too late to some regard. But you're saying, oh God, from this very point on, from this very moment, this very second, I'm not moving until I see you. I want your presence to be my GPS. If that's you, I want you to stand up right now. Don't be fearful. Don't be bashful. Don't be worried about what somebody else is going to think. Oh, does that mean they made mistakes? doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. What is mattering right now, this very second, is your life. And what God wants to do with your life it's not about your plan. It's about God's plan. How many follow me here? Amen. This is about God's plan, folks. Hallelujah. You want God's plan. You don't want your own. And even though it may seem right to you, did you hear what happened in, in, again in the Old Testament? The kings, the kings, the top man did what was right in his own eyes and they made mistakes huge mistakes that cost the whole nation you know what your decisions matter it affects your family it affects everyone around you it affects your whole livelihood do that which God wants you to do and that he is involved in look for him look for him Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. Thank you for standing. That, 
that takes boldness, and it's also vulnerability. Now, I want you to pray this after me. I want you to pray it boldly. Speak it out boldly as you pray this after me, would you? Father God, Father God. I hunger after you. I, after you. I, desire, you. I desire you with everything that is in me. It is also my desire to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to follow you. I want to be where you're at. Oh God, your word says that we live and move in you. I am praying for your guidance. I am praying for my eyes to discern, my mind to contemplate, my spirit to know where you're at at all times. You are the glory. And I'm going to follow the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you just give the Lord thanks now? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be dismissing. You can all rise if you would. But if you're here today and you're, you would say, you know, I'm not sure about my salvation. I want to say that one more time. You're not sure about your salvation. In other words, you're not sure if you're going to go to heaven or hell. You need to get right with Jesus. It's real easy. And I want to give you the, uh, that time to do that. I'm going to dismiss all those who need to go, but if that's something that you want to take care of right now, maybe there's no one here, but if there's someone, don't wait. Life is perilous. Act instantly. Act instantly. Come talk to me. I'm going to wait right here. And we'll pray together. And when you leave out of here, you'll go, man, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. Because you're taking Jesus with you. Hallelujah. Father God, we go in your name, we love your presence. We love your glory. We're committed to following you. We bless you, O oh God. Amen. Amen. Love on someone before you go. If you need to pray, have prayer, come on up. Come on up. The question was raised as my conscience fell. A silly little lie. It didn't